and hit the podcast intro. Hello, America. Welcome to your Leo Nation, where we believe in the rule of law, a civil society and self-responsibility. As always, we are excited to have you here today. Have a great guest, my best friend in the world, Marcelo Aru, a fellow law enforcement professional. Of course, he's a current law enforcement professional. I am a former law enforcement professional. 20 years with a large law enforcement agency that we will not name. Marcelo, <laughs> good afternoon, my friend. Good afternoon. Happy to be here. And to start 2023 with a bang, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we're in California, so that's there's true. always some kind of an explosion. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and by a bang, I don't mean the, like the three shootings that LAPD had just recently. So yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Well, we may go... Uh, Somewhere there. Somewhere there. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of uh, kicking off 2023, uh, not just here in California, but around the country. Matter of fact, you know what? I hear some wonderful uh, sirens in the background right now. Yeah. It's California. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're at home. But, um, you know, I've done some other shows talking about some laws being passed around the country, mm-hmm. uh, insane laws, talking about, you know, no bail and reducing criminal, uh, criminal activity, uh, you name it. But, California, California continues to be the leader in lunacy. (laughs) You can't make that's putting it mildly. (laughs) You you can't make it up. Go ahead. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, you just start to think about these laws that they, you know, that uh, all are supposedly made to uh, make less stops on minorities and stuff like this. And then you don't realize the repercussions, the the safety issue to these people. I mean, everyone is such in a hurry already in Los Angeles. Now you got to be careful for someone jaywalking, not using the crosswalk. I mean, it's an additional, just, it's just dangerous. And I I mean, I like to see the numbers a year from now. I really would. I'd like to see how many more uh, pedestrians are hit over this. You know what? It's so funny. You reminded me of something. By the way, I hope you folks are enjoying the, the sirens in the background. Um, it's just typical. But they're not this coming takes, for us, are they? Yeah. <laughs> Whose house maybe, is this? Maybe <laughs> when they hear this podcast, they'll could be coming after us. But you know, it's funny. It takes me back. Uh, by the way, I didn't introduce myself, which doesn't matter. Uh, I'm Mark Garrett, the chief. And before I was a chief with the California Highway Patrol, I worked in public affairs and recruitment, and and did a lot of uh, community work. And there was a program, I don't know if it was still around, but it was called, uh, um, not zero deaths, but basically it was an effort to reduce traffic-related fatalities all the way down to zero. A wonderful goal. It's a, 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 a an admirable mission, but e- even at the time, thinking this is unrealistic. But then you look at something like eliminating, in California, eliminating the penalties for jaywalking. Yep. And you think about uh, these groups or this group that I worked with, that, whose mission it was to to reduce the number of of uh, traffic related and, and more specifically pedestrian fatalities in Los Angeles County. A great goal, very difficult to achieve, but if we could save you know any number of lives, we're going in the right direction. But laws like this, like you said, Marcelo, that are there to supposedly uh, reduce racial profiling or, uh, uh, you know, unfair, uh, impact on, on minorities. It's just going to cost lives. And of course, what kills me with this kind of stuff, and we have a whole list of things to talk about, um, in, in relation to equity and to, uh, um, you know, reducing racial profiling. But what kills me when you see these things that are, are, uh, on the surface, officially targeted to be fair to people. All it does is, is reduce the level of responsibility on the part of the people these laws are supposedly protecting. It's an insult. It is. No, it's, it's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's incredible how they use uh, these laws and, and 
how they're just so liberal with these laws and and they want to say that it's it's for minorities that we're protecting minorities well it's just like you said you know these are these laws were established to save lives not to uh harm them even more it's just like what we were talking about the registration law i mean unbelievable <laughs> mm -hmm. so now if an officer um, the way I've been reading it, if an officer sees someone with expired registration, that officer can't stop that individual for just the registration violation. No, they have to wait until they don't use their blinker, run a red light, run a stop sign, and then make the stop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. It's absurd. Well, it is absurd. I said that California continues to be the leader in lunacy on so many levels. I mean, we could, we could talk not just, not just law enforcement, but it's certainly one of the most impactful areas where the lunacy reigns here, because you talk about law enforcement, talk about um, uh, adhering to laws, especially safety laws, these specifically and immediately impact people. And I think what you're talking about were these um, pretext stop, quote unquote, pretext stops. Correct. The San Francisco city council recently, uh, pass an ordinance or rule or whatever, eliminating pretext stops uh, by San Francisco Police Department. Now, let me tell you right now, I patrolled the freeways and county roads and other highways of Los Angeles County from the time I was a brand new officer until the time I ended my days as a field sergeant for about 14 years. The number of people that I sent eventually to state prison out of a registration stop, a seatbelt stop, a broken taillight stop, a no rear license plate stop, a no front license plate. You can call these pretext stops, or I guess officially that's what they're called even by the, the uh, you know, federal courts. But these are violations of law. Absolutely. They used to be. And Sometimes you pull somebody over and they have the registration and the glove, the glove box. They haven't put the tag on the license plate or, you know, look, it's, it's some grandmother who just, you know, left the grandkids house and their, their taillight um, is broken and officers have discretion, whether to cite these people or give them a fix it ticket or a verbal warning, any number of, of uh, methods to deal with that enforcement contact. But boy, oh boy, when you pull somebody over for one of these low-level offenses and you find out they have felony warrants, you either through a visual or consensual search, whatever it is, you find weapons, you find drugs, other paraphernalia, and you send somebody at least to county jail and not state prison, you know what? That's a damn good day. You got somebody off the street. So now what's happened is you've eliminated one more tool by law enforcement mm -hmm. to, to either on purpose or by chance find the real bad people. Make no mistake, Mark. This is completely on purpose. This is this is the way they, as they, uh, they say. Well, we don't want to tie the the hands of law enforcement. Yes, you do, because these are the laws that do that. Mm -hmm. These are the handcuffs that are put on officers every day, day in and day out. Now, being a, an officer for twenty years, I've stopped people for registration, and you know what I've done? I've either given them a ticket for registration, or give them a warning. I mean, that's happened. It's also happened that as I approach the car, there's a large smell of marijuana. So now as a police officer, I can't let that go. It wasn't my action that continued or, or continued my investigation. It was the person driving's action. I am very happy with going registration. Uh, let me see your registration license and, and proof of insurance. And if the guy... You know, look, there's been instances where the guy goes, hey, I paid my registration. And we go to look and yes, the registration was paid, but he didn't uh, submit his insurance. Right. Instances like that, I get. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. I go, okay, you know what? This is why it's halfway done. This is what you have to do. You know, let's just call it a warning today. Fine. Mm -hmm. But in those instances where you smell marijuana or you see some sort of drug paraphernalia that is not the action of the police officer that is the action of the person in the car and by law by our 
uh, core values, we have to take action by our, by our, uh, our ethics. We can't allow that person to go because he might be under the influence. So if an officer goes, well, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to let him go. And then that person hits somebody. It's that officer's fault mm -hmm. because you observed this. And so you're, you're tying the hands of, of, of police officers everywhere, mm -hmm. especially here in California. Um, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if you can shed light on this. If the registration law is that, I know LAPD has this. Right. I've heard that LAPD um, does. But I well. don't know if, if uh, the sheriffs or if uh, CHP has have adopted that. Yeah, as far as I know, and, and I'll, you know, I think all of us, we've talked about this offline quite mm -hmm. a bit, that we're always our own agencies or, in my case, former agencies' uh, own worst critics. Because, you know, we're working from the inside out. We see everything. The grass is always greener. But to the Highway Patrol's credit, um, this is a place where they've held their ground um, with things like pursuit policy. Officers still have the discretion for, for to pursue for any any legal reason, registration, whatever it is, obviously uh, higher crimes. But the pursuit policy has not been curtailed at all. Again, I've been gone for a couple of years, but to the best of my knowledge, but yeah, this is agency by agency. We know San Francisco PD, LAPD for sure, maybe other agencies. But, you know, you touched on something a little bit ago, you know, Marcelo, about this not being really so much about the laws or the violation of the laws themselves. It's really more about this, this ongoing attack on law enforcement an ongoing attack on the rule of law. And there are so many aspects to this. Speaking of LAPD, mm -hmm. there's something that a friend of mine sent me the other day. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to read this. So everybody knows that I'm not embellishing anything. Mm -hmm. This is this is coming right from the horse's mouth. This is from LAPD Chief Mike Moore. And I've talked about Mike before in, you know, interest of full disclosure, Mike and I worked together when he was a chief and, and I was a chief here in Los Angeles County for the Hyatt Patrol and uh, had a pretty good relationship. We still occasionally talk, things like that. But, uh, you know, I've got to call, call this, you know, strikes and balls here as I see it. So let me read this directive, email, whatever you want to call it, that Mike Moore sent out to all LAPD personnel. All department personnel, earlier this week, there was a member of the public that complained of a, quote, thin blue line flag, unquote, being displayed over the front desk of Rampart Station. The complaint stems from their belief the symbol signifies support, I'm going to underline something here, of extremist views such as those espoused by the Proud Boys and others. I directed to have the item taken down from the public library, uh, lobby. The U.S. flag should be proudly displayed in our lobbies whenever possible. Memorials for all uh, for our fallen, I'm sorry, memorials for our fallen are also authorized in all public spaces. While I do not personally view the thin blue line flag in the same manner as the community member or others. Its display in our public lob uh, lobbies can be divisive. Personnel having a thin blue line flag in their workplace, locker door, or personal vehicle, etc., have not been prohibited. It's unfortunate that extremist groups have hijacked the use of the thin blue line flag to symbolize their undemocratic, racist, and bigoted views. Flags serve as a powerful symbol with specific meanings. The thin blue line flag to me presents the honor, valor, dedication, and sacrifice of law enforcement to protect our communities. Tragically, that view is not universally held and others have been able to persuade the public it symbolizes racist, bigoted, and oppressive values. Given our lobbies should be places that people feel safe, free of political ideology, and welcoming, it remains our longstanding policy that only official items be displayed. I understand the frustration some may feel on this issue, 
with an accompanying sense of lack of support of their dedication on my part. I'm mindful of the Los Angeles Police Department, I'm sorry, Protective League's uh, expressed disappointment in my directive. My commitment to you is unwavering as I strive each day to protect and serve as well as the police of uh, the people of Los Angeles, respectively, Michael R. Moore, Chief of Police, Los Angeles Police Department. I got to tell you something. We talk about leadership on this show. People ask me, hey, what can law enforcement do, Mark? How do we push back? Those are great questions. And I like to be able, at least, you know, in my opinion, to give answers. One of the things is knowing what leadership means. I want to read, just go back here. It says, the complaint stems from their belief, talking about this citizen who came in to the front desk at Rampart. Their belief, the symbol represents racism and uh, these these other uh, you know, ugly beliefs or, or ugly attitudes. Now, later on, Chief Moore says that he believes that the thin blue line flag is, is honorable, it shows valor, dedication, and sacrifice to law enforcement. Which one is it, Mike? Mm-hmm. Are you going to acquiesce because some people believe that the flag means something that's distasteful and racist? Or are you going to support the men and women of Los Angeles Police Department? And by the way, being head of LAPD, one of the most prestigious law enforcement agencies in the country, to support law enforcement in general by saying, wait a minute, I don't care if you think the symbol's been hijacked. Look, we have Nazis, certainly have had Nazis in this country that walk with the American flag. Did they hijack the American flag? Should we not fly that because some some a-holes want to usurp a symbol, a, a, uh, a symbol of this country for their own evil purposes? This is where leadership comes in. See, listen, I don't care what somebody else thinks about this. We know what it means to law enforcement. We know why the men and women of law enforcement utilize this symbol because they believe with all due humility that they are the thin blue line. They are the men and women who are a buffer between uh, good and evil, good and evil between civility and chaos, between law and order and, and, and a complete breakdown of society. So this would be a great place for someone like Mike Moore to stand up and say, look, I, yeah, I, I know you're laughing because, yeah, we, we, we work and live in the same area. Yeah. But this would be a great time for him to show some leadership. Your take on this? I, well, in order, for to, in order for you to stand up, first you need courage. You know? <laughs> and this, My turn to laugh. And, and unfortunately, this chief doesn't have it. I have a few problems with this so-called explanation letter or or apology. I don't know what to call it. First of all, why department personnel? Why not everyone? Why not send this to the media? Mm -hmm. You know, you're so bold to to say, we're going to take this uh, thin blue line flag and it's all over the media. Fox News just reported it. But you won't send this to the media. That's Mm -hmm. that's my first problem. You know, Mm -hmm. my second problem is I believe that Black and white police vehicles are racist, so I need him to take that off. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call for because I'm a citizen, and Excellent. it says a complainant stems uh, stems from their belief. Well, it's my belief that black and white vehicles are racist, so what are you going to do about that? Excellent point. So should we change that? That's the second point. My third point is, like you said, U.S. flags have been used by Nazi parties and stuff like that. But that's not what the U.S. flag represents. Now, because they've been used by Nazi uh, parties and stuff like and other um, entities that, you know, obviously are unpopular with us and anyone that's has common sense. Then why is a U.S. flag OK to post? Why is a U.S. flag OK to be in the lobby? Mm-hmm. You know, what if someone walked in just like this person walked in? who is an idiot, by the way. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, I agree with you. What if another person walked in and said, I think that U.S. flag offends me? Well, are you going to take that off now? How long before you think that happens? Exactly. It, it, how long before we think this happens? Because I said, we, we both use the example of uh, American Nazis, and, and I completely uh, overlooked, I think, even a more prevalent 
historically, not mm -hmm. thank God, not, not currently, but historically, when you go back a hundred years from now, when you look at the marches on Washington, DC by the Ku Klux Klan, mm -hmm. or they flying, they were flying the American flag. Right now, people need to grow the hell up. First of all, let's look at history. In other words, based on Mike Moore's reasoning, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Based on his reasoning. If this is his reasoning, then go back, look at the videos of the KKK walking down Pennsylvania Avenue with hundreds of American flags while they're dressed from head to toe in white sheets and their dunce caps. Why, if someone would come in, like you said, Marcelo, mm -hmm. and say, you know what? The Ku Klux Klan used that American flag as a symbol of hate and racism and fear and terror and segregation. I don't want you flying that in your in your lobbies and employees. I don't want that flag on your patrol cars. I don't want that lapel pin on your police officers' uniforms. Why not? I, I'm only saying this based on Chief Moore's reasoning. Right. So is this what you're saying Absolutely. here? I mean, and, and, and to your point, where does it stop? It doesn't. At some point, you have to put your, as chief of police, go, you have to put your foot down at some point. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you said, it just... And, you know, obviously I was kidding about the black and white police vehicles. Mm -hmm. Please don't call and say, yeah, I'm with you on that because <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. It's at what point does it stop? I mean, how many complaints do you take in until you have police officers in, in, in underwear and T-shirt? Well, apparently one. Yeah, apparently it one. only takes one person. He so, made that clear. So here's the other problem I have with this, as he uh, stated, mm -hmm. uh, and I quote this. The thin blue line flag, um, and he's talking about being acceptable, the thin blue line flag in their workplace lo uh, locker door or personal vehicle have not been prohibited. How the hell are you going to prohibit that in someone's personal vehicle? Yeah. You don't own that person's car. Well, uh, yeah. So so I'm glad he said they're not prohibited. Thank, thank you so much. But, exactly. but, but here's the thing. But my question, well, yeah. just my back question yeah. to that is, what if someone did have it in their vehicle and then you did prohibit it? That's, what are you going to do with their car? What are you going to do with their car? Are you going to tell them to park on the street? Yeah. Because now that's retaliation. This, it's, this is exactly right. You asked the question, mm -hmm. where does it stop? And this is why, again, you know, we, we were joking about the word, you know, Californian lunacy, but this should illustrate to anybody watching or listening to this podcast right now right. that this is literacy, uh, literally lunacy. That's what we're experiencing right now because this is the prime example of the tail wagging the dog. You have one person who comes in here and says, I don't like that symbol. So we change the entire culture uh, of, of, you know, 14, 15,000, you know, uh, 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 uniform and civilian employees of LAPD because one person comes in and complains about something he or she doesn't like. This is not leadership. This is, this is acquiescence at its worst. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just continuing with this, this so-called letter that he wrote, um, it says, given our lobbies uh, should be uh, should be a place that people feel safe, free of political ideology. Since when has a thin blue line been political? It is saying that I support police officers. I believe in their lives. I believe in firemen's lives, nurses lives. Since when has that been political? Is there only one side of, of the politics that's that's with, you know, the lives of these men and women? So to, to say, you know, free of political ideology, where did you get that from? Well, and by and by and whose opinion, by the way, too, whose opinion? Right. Again, what's going to be the next symbol of, you know, a political ideology and, you know, it in, in whose right. opinion? So, you know, I think we've we've covered this. And by the way, I think. Uh, LAPD is kind of late to the game because I remember when the CHP made it clear that they wouldn't produce any marketing material or, uh, you know, allow any symbols that had a thin blue line flag on it. This is a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a tragic idea when I was still in the department. Um, Again, it, it's it's the car driving down the street or you running down the street being chased by the dog. The faster you run, the, the faster the dog is going to chase you. And that's what we're seeing right now here. There's just not any political <clears throat> leadership 
whether it's elected officials or bureaucrats or head of uh, uh, law enforcement agencies, I said any, there are some, but they're far and few in between. So um, since we know what, I pulled up a couple of articles and since we're on the topic of LAPD, and again, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to beat up on LAPD. However, being such a large agency and so uh, having well such known, poor leadership, <laughs> well, let's not forget it's uh you know, and, you know, and it's, this it's is, it, more... it, yeah. And, and before, you know, this is just something to say that this is not beating on LAPD, beating up on LAPD because the men and women, they do a heck of a job. This is when I, I think when, you know, when we talk about LAPD, we talk about its leaders, the chief of police, the deputy chiefs, the commanders and stuff like that, not the boots on the ground, right? you know, unfortunately they have, their job is harder because of this chief, in my opinion, um, this is why morale is atrocious right now with the department. This is why you can't get more than 30 people in one academy class, ah. uh, which is, yes, I know we're going to yeah, bring good that up. Segue. But, I mean, there's a reason for that. There's mm-hmm. a reason for that. And, and you know, I put it, I was talking to someone who said, well, you know, why do you think that is? And I said, well, it's simple. You have 25 recruiters, you know, maybe 30 saying hip, hip, hooray, come join the LAPD. And then you got 4,000 officers that actually work in the department that go, don't come here. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to win that battle? Right. Well, this is, it's, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. Um, and, and we're seeing more and more of this again, again across the board. Like I said, this is not an attack on LAPD per se. In fact, it's, it's not at all. This is uh, a very, very large canary in the coal mine. Um, so talking about recruitment. Uh, another buddy of mine sent me an article the other day about LAPD retirements. And I think it was last month or so. And looking at that number, it would, it would mm-hmm. average out to what this article talks about. I think there were 52 ret- retirements. It's probably a, a couple of months ago now. I'm sure there's a little lag time between this publication and when, when the retirements actually right. occurred. But let's say in the last 90 days, um, there were 52 ret- retirements in that month. And this article uh, backs it up, and I'll read this paragraph here. It says, faced with a flood, who's the staff writer for? I think it's uh, LA Times here. Faced with a flood of departures and a trickle of recruits entering this training academy that have led to a dwindling staffing levels, LAPD officials have drawn up plans to call for as many as 200 retired police officers to be rehired. On the uh, campaign trail and her uh, recent race for mayor, Karen Bass pledged to rebuild the department's ranks to 9,700 officers as the city confronts violent crime rates that remain above pre-pandemic levels. So I'm reading on down here. LAPD is projecting about 600 retirements this year. 600 of 9,700 uniforms. And again, I know a number of current and L- uh, retired LAPD officers, uh, the retired ones I know, being called back up, being called and offered to come back out of retirement. And most right. of them are saying, go pound sand. <laughs> so are you, you, yes, are, you, so yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. But this is the same, this is the same agency. And again, I w- want to keep saying this. It's just because LAPD is so high profile. It's one of the largest agencies in the country. And it's in second largest media market in the world here in mm-hmm. Southern California. <clears throat> but this is from the same agency a couple of years ago that did everything they could to acquiesce to Black Lives Matter during the George, George Floyd riots. Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, the boots on the ground did a tremendous job. I was out there. Yeah. I was still working. I was on those skirmish lines with mm-hmm. my troops, with LAPD. <clears throat> this is not a reflection on them. But I'm talking in a political sense about reforms and 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 executive management literally kneeling uh, on the city hall steps at the request of, of Black Lives Matter and other so-called, uh, uh, you know, leadership. And so now fast forward a couple of years later and they're desperate, yep. desperate, not just in uh, LAPD, NYPD, mm-hmm. California Highway Patrol, sure. desperate to get people into the academy. Why? Because leadership turn their backs on the men and well women said. who do the job the well men said. and women whose butts are on the line i almost said asses anyway <laughs> but i didn't 
<laughs> whose butts are on the lines out there every single day, right. who are making the traffic stops, who yeah. are busting the doors, who are serving warrants, who are taking the total a-holes, the violent a-holes to prison, to at least the county jail every day, and leadership turn their backs on them for political expediency. This is why the rings were dwindling. This is why N NYPD is down, I think, about 30%. Don't quote me on that, but it's somewhere around there. They're having a mass exodus of tenured off, uh, officers, supervisors, detectives flying flying south to, to Florida, to other states to get into NYPD. This is what happens when leadership lets down the people who actually do the work out there. And we're seeing the yeah. fruits of this. It's well said, Mark. I mean, it's, um, it's incredible, I, you know, and, and you being part of, and it's, it's so important to have someone with your experience because you were part of the highway patrol leadership. I mean, you were only second in command to the commissioner. Um, and you know, to have your views. And I know we talked about this offline, you know, uh, that you would, uh, have a hard time sleeping at night when, when you were, uh, chief of uh, Southern section. And, and there's a reason for that. And I told you this personally, the reason is, is because you cared. The reason is because you valued your troops, you valued their livelihoods. You, you valued uh, their families and, and, and you worried. And that's what a leader does. Unfortunately, Michael Moore is not that leader. Michael Moore is not the leader that, personifies courage, character, um, perseverance. He's not that in person. I've said it before. We, I've told you this in person. He's just from everything, you know, as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. Okay. This here to me mm -hmm. means nothing to what his actions are. And I stand by those, the, uh, the comments that I make about him, because I just, I, I can't, I'm not making this stuff up, you know, uh, when he kneeled with black lives matter, since we're talking about kneeling <laughs> and by the way, Warren Stanley, to his credit, your commissioner, um, did not kneel and Warren Stanley. I believe what he said was the only, the only time I kneel is in my father's grave. Okay. I commend that man for that. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened to him? Nothing. <laughs> the man left with his integrity and his character intact and mm -hmm. said goodbye to the CHP. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael Moore took a knee and then sent department personnel, mm -hmm. not one, not two, three apology letters, three. Mm -hmm. Did he ever send it to the media? Mm -hmm. Did he ever send it outside the department? Actually, speak longer than words, Mark, and you know I'll leave it at that. But talking about <laughs> retirement, so it, it's called the bounce program. It's uh, after you do drop. The drop is is you re you're basically retired, but you're still making an income. Mm -hmm. It's five years of drop. Well, they're trying to bring back bounce, which mm -hmm. is after your five years of retirement with uh, drop. It's called bounce, and you're absolutely right. Officers mm -hmm. are saying, hell. No, I do not want to come back. Mm -hmm. Hell no, I will not work for that chief of police. Mm -hmm. And you know what? In my 20 years, this is the worst I've ever seen this department. The worst morale. Um, and I wasn't around when Bernard Parks was, but officers have told me that that's the way it felt. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have, and to, to, this is, is amazing because most people don't know that if you're going to leave a department, it's usually within your first five years. You either go to like Beverly Hills or maybe Santa Monica just because the income's better and, and uh, you know, a lot of times less work. I'm not saying that they don't work. I just, it's, it's just different. Um, so, but now you've got veterans, you got 10, 12, 15 year veterans leaving the department to go to another department. Mm -hmm. It's unheard of. I recently just found out that three probationary officers just finished probation, resigned from the LAPD and went and got hired at Inglewood PD. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We, we talked about this. Yeah. And I would imagine that, you know, uh, that, look, 
I would imagine that that was probably a plan from from day one. Oh, I'm, you I'm, know, I'm sure. Yeah, in other words, it wasn't something that popped up and they were surprised about the income or the you know the benefits from Inglewood PD. But the point is, <clears throat> is that uh, people are dissatisfied with this agency or that agency for whatever reasons. And in this case, we're talking about talking about leadership, talking about perception talking about you know public support or lack thereof and they're going to where they can get more of all those things uh, different agencies um i've seen it happen before but now we're seeing this happen in mass we're seeing again these large agencies across the country which are so high profile which get the uh you know majority or plurality of the attention from the media and from uh you know these different social groups uh and criminal groups like blm and, and the pressure is focused on theirs because if they can take down these big agencies then all the other ones will fall in line. This is what they're after. Um, by the way, thanks for the shout out to Warren Stanley because he, he did. I, I called him that day when I saw that that live Facebook feed when he told BLM basically to go pound sand. I'm not kneeling for you. Like you said, I only kneel for my, at my father's gravesite. That was uh, that was the definition of, of leadership that day. And that's Absolutely. I tell you what, the again, I you know, <clears throat> I may have Warren on one day and 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 Warren and I were friends. We have our differences. We had our differences when I was chief, he's commissioner, and we get into it sometimes and he laugh at me like sarcastic, like, yeah, you know what, I'm the commissioner, so you know, <laughs> do what I say. <laughs> I love you, bye, click. And that's what I had to do. Um, but on that one, I got on that phone, I said, Warren, I've known you for well, you know at that time, 30 years, I knew him before I was in the Hyatt Patrol. So it's it's the, one of the proudest moments I've ever had with the Hyatt Patrol. And so, you should. Yeah. And you should. And every CHP officer every, should every be so yeah. proud of their, yeah. of, of an action like that. So Un unfortunately. Yeah. It's, 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 it's rare. Yes. So speaking of this, here's a good, here's a good, uh, I think segue here for this, this one other topic I want to talk about for sure. The new law we we're talking about earlier in 2023 about the new laws here in California, which are always, you know, you just can't wait to see what this legislature <laughs> comes up with. It's right. just it's like I know marijuana is legal in this state now, mm -hmm. but I wonder what other substances people must be on when they're introducing these 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 bills that become law and are signed by the lunatic in chief, uh, Gavin Newsom. I mean, it's just one after another. It's just a flood of bad ideas. I forget how many thousands of new laws, you know, are on the books this year in California. It's like, we don't have enough laws. Are you kidding me? Right. We won't even enforce jaywalking, but you're, you're, you're adding these thousands of new laws. Well, here's one that takes the cake. Well, let me correct myself. <laughs> you never know in California. No, yeah. oh, the new winner is dethroned in nine seconds. However... The current leader in lunacy mm -hmm. is the law that allows people he here who are here in this state illegally mm -hmm. to become peace officers. <laughs> yep. That the is... first time in the history of California. Now, here's why I say it's a good segue talking about the Hyatt Patrol, because mm -hmm. one of the biggest advocates for this is a former California Highway Patrol Commissioner Joe Farrow. Joe, I also know, I'm friends with Joe, good guy. And on this one, I think he's smoking something that is highly regulated. He, uh, <laughs> if not- Not in he, California. <laughs> it is in the rest of the country, not here. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand corrected. But this law, and I forget who authored it. One, one of the, one of the, one of the dirt bags in in Sacramento. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just, it's just. I don't know how else to, to characterize these people that are doing this stuff. But anyway, so as of January first, 2023, uh, if you are here illegally, but you have the legal right to work here, you have the authorization. You can now become a police officer. Look, I worked in recruitment for about a total of six years for the CHP. And like every other agency in California, <clears throat> the rule was for an applicant, you had to be a U.S. citizen or you had to be in the pipeline. You had to be uh, engaged in a process to obtain your citizenship. Right. And so you could actually start the process, but right. you could not become a peace officer. You could not be actually um, recommended for the academy until you had obtained your citizenship. Right. So I have no problem 
working with somebody, recruiting somebody who may not be a citizen, but has the, the real potential to become a citizen. That's not the point about, oh, you, you got here legally or, you know, you weren't born here. None of that crap. That's ridiculous. Right. The point is, is if you don't have the, uh, if you don't have the, uh, uh, the sense about you right. to honor the laws on the books, to honor our constitution, to honor the laws of California, why do I think that your respect to the law is going to change when you get uh, a badge on your chest and a gun on your hip? Why do I think it's going to change? Exactly. You know, now Joe Farrow has a story and people can read about Joe mm-hmm. Farrow. Uh, he's now the chief of police for UC Davis. Uh, university mm-hmm. and and I won't get into the details so it's all public but I don't I don't want to misquote the facts but I do know that he had uh, it's a friend or a relative who's been here since I think he was like two years old mm-hmm. who never got a citizenship so he's been here all of his life all of his adult life I understand the practical side of it yeah I understand is there a problem with that it, that young person becoming a peace officer in a practical sense no of course not this person it, it, it culturally and maybe in every other way, as far as uh, respect to the law, adhering sure. to the law, might be just as viable as anybody who was born here and grew up in a law enforcement household. I am not demeaning that individual. The point is, once again, we have the tail wagging the dog. In other words, you're going to make an exception, Joe, or you're going to you're going to promote this law because you know someone uh, who's been here all their life as a kid. That's been, and now they want to be a, 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 and they're not a citizen, and so they want to be a cop, and you support them personally. So what you want California to do, and they did, yeah. is to change the rule across the board. So though now there is no mitigation, there is no governor on this. Uh, I don't mean ding dong in Sacramento. I mean basically a control method to say, okay, if you've been here for you know thirty five years, it's okay, but if you've been here for thirty five months, it's not. There's none of that. So anybody who has basically a, a, a work permit now can become a peace officer. But that same person, if they graduate from Ohio Patrol Academy or, you know, L.A. County Sheriff's or or NYPD or LAPD or Oakland Police Department, they have to swear to uh, to protect and defend the Constitution. Right. But they themselves didn't abide by the, the Constitution. This is the irony of this, and it's another attack, I'm telling you, this is another attack on the rule of law, undermining the rule of law, and weakening the resolve of the men and women, the rank-and-file people that go out and enforce the law every day. It's an attack on them. People may think this is over the top. It is not. All this does, by insidious ways, is to slowly eat away at the rule of law. It's one more example and uh, nobody can tell me that's a good idea to invite into the recruitment uh, uh, um, pool people who have not even taken the time to obtain their citizenship. It's not a good thing. It's not. You know what, Mark? And and, and you've said it all. I mean, um, there's not a whole lot to add to that. Uh, I will say that if you're here illegally and you cross the border illegally, that's a federal offense. So now you become a, a police officer and have a federal charge. That's amazing. You know, I figured, you know, if Jeffrey Dahmer was alive, maybe we'd make him a cop too. I mean, I don't know. Jack the Ripper, I, you know, the list goes on. It's just, I, I don't know what to say about this because it's so nuts. It's so crazy. My concern is, is the safety of, you know, not knowing where this person, who this person could really be. I mean, you're here illegally. You can give yourself any name you want. I don't know, like, what kind of documentation do you present if you're going to join, let's say, the LAPD? What do you just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an ID or? Well, to address that, they're saying, okay, as long as someone here ha- has a work permit, you know, to, to be here legally to work. And they should have the right to work any place, whether it's, you know, it's working as, you know, as a, as a, a, a car dealership, you know, s- mm-hmm. salesman, yeah. or they're, they're working as a technician, you know, in a hospital, they're an accountant. Why can't they be a police officer? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because the threshold to be a peace officer is just not your physical ability. It's not, it's not all these things. It's about your character 
It's about your respect for the rule of law. That is why, look, you and I have been through background checks, probably multiple background checks, that, yep. you know, at least for me speaking for, for different assignments and clearances, things like that. And they look at all of these things. They look at you holistically. Okay. Now, I certainly expect that these people who are being vetted, that people that, that have work permits, that they're not U.S. citizens, I certainly hope, I certainly pray to God that recruiters and background investigators are going to be doing the same due diligence with them as they would anybody else. I expect that. Right. The point is, why would you include a more difficult pool of people to vet into the general pool? Right. When we haven't taken the time to do the right thing. I mean, hell, in law enforcement, we look at credit checks. We look at personal relationships. We right. look at just people you've hung out with. What decisions have you made in your personal life? Even if you didn't engage in, you know, heavy drug use or drug use at all, but you spent, you know, all the time hanging around people who you knew were committing crimes, you're not going to be a law enforcement officer. At least not when I was a recruiter. It's not going to happen. You're going to get the DQ for what? For judgment. Right. And and for looking out for trying to adhere to the rule of law. There's nothing in my mind that's different about this. If you can't do the very basic thing as, as a you know uh, responsible individual, come here the legal way, adhere to our laws, become a citizen. Some of my best colleagues in, 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 in California High Patrol, I mean, some of the best people I work with were born other countries. Absolutely. Mexico, Brazil, uh, Korea, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the African country, Chile. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. Shout somebody. out to Chile. <laughs> yes. For those of, for those of you who are just listening to audio, uh, my best friend raises, "Hey, dumb dumb, where was I born?" <laughs> By the way, the reason I forgot you, I said some of the best people I know. <laughs> That's why you were excluded from that. Oh, but anyway, and then Marcelo too. He got a, yeah, exactly. He he got into law enforcement. But the thing is, it has nothing. So when people throw yeah. these arguments at you or, oh, you're racist, you're the, it's such BS. Yes. It is such it is. BS. I mean, the funny thing is my best friend is from Chile, yeah. was born in Chile. Uh, I was born in Southeast Los Angeles, grew up there in Watts. This has n black. This has nothing to do with race or, or no, origin. Not at all. But this is what this is what the detractors of our argument will say that we're, oh, oh, your race is what's all BS. We're talking two minority guys here. Well, and, and one was an immigrant. I well, came. There you I, go. I came to this country. I was born in Chile, mm -hmm. and it took us. It took me twelve years to become a U.S. citizen. Yeah. You know, uh, five years. I was a temporary resident. Uh, and they make sure you you're getting in trouble with the law that you you're going to school or had a job, and then once that was completed, and as they continue to do their background, I got permanent residency for another five years. So from temporary resident to permanent resident, it was a total of ten years, and then after that, it was two additional years to make sure that you continue to be a law-abiding citizen and. In 1995, 96, I became a U.S. citizen. I actually remember, seriously, I was going to make yeah. a joke, but I actually remember, <laughs> I remember, do you remember where we were when we got challenged about that? We're at Nationals? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole different podcast, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about we that. Exactly, right. yes. But yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, and it's like you said, it, it's something that, it's a basic rule of law that you have to, if you can't respect the laws in this country, how can you possibly take an oath and say, I I'm going to respect, uh, res you know, respect the people just like our core value, respect for all people, integrity and in all we say and do. How can you possibly take that oath and, and, and know that you're violating the U S constitution law? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I, I, it's like you said, I mean, this one takes the cake and of course it's in California. So. Of course it's in California. Lear in lunacy, a great state, the once great state of California. So um, we have covered so much today, and um, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes people think, you know, well, hey, Mark, you're bringing us this information, and yeah, you're right about that, or that's an interesting point. What I don't want to, I don't want to walk away from these shows, you know, <laughs> depressing people or having people angry or, or malcontents. Yeah. What I want to do is, I, you know, I and Marcelo and other people that are speaking out, we want to bring these things to your attention to 
to reinforce the fact that uh, there are people out there that support you men and women in law enforcement. And, and by the way, and support your real leadership, people who are actually your sergeants, lieutenants, and captains that really are out there speaking out. But don't let this get you down. What I hope, and, and working with so many fine law enforcement uh, representatives across the years, I expect for you, be your own leader. Leadership starts with yourself. Obviously, we expect those people in higher rank to do what they should at, at that pay grade. But damn it, don't roll over. Fight. Speak out where it's appropriate. You speak to your bosses. Work with your, your protective league, leagues, your, your unions, your representation. Work with other groups that support the rule of law, that support self-responsibility, that believe in the Constitution. <clears throat> Give five bucks, 10 bucks, speaking of giving money, we just gave uh, our nonprofit partner, the Leo Project, which you can find at Your Leo Project. Okay, I know it's confusing sometimes, so that's Your Leo Project. It's nonprofit, it's a tax write-off. We just gave $5,000 to the families of those two El Monte PD officers that were killed last summer. Uh, just, just a couple, right before Christmas, we gave them $5,000. And that's because people like you listening to this are sending a couple of bucks here and there in. We can keep that kitty growing, support more and more people. We certainly plan to expand and not just in giving money to those fallen uh, families, fallen officers, but doing things more proactively, not just reactively. But speaking of that, organizations like the Leo Project, whatever, whoever you can support, listen. It's no no surprise. Vote for the right people. Support the right people in elections, whether it's local, it's county, it's state, it's federal. So do not take it sitting down. Again, be the agent of your own change. Be a leader in your own circle of colleagues. And let's keep fighting for the rule of law. You are the men and women we all depend on. You're protecting your own families, my families every individual in society. God bless you. Marcelo, thank you for uh, being a part of this. We look forward to the next time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great. Folks, stay safe. Don't take it. And just remember, you're doing the job that most people will not or could not do. Stay safe.